For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Hebraic Bible Prophecy. This is part three of the series. Now, we are told in Luke chapter 1, verse 33, that Yeshua, or Jesus, that he rules over the house of Jacob, all 12 tribes. Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and verse 33, it is written, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, call his name Jesus, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I want you to notice who he rules and reigns over. He rules and reigns over the house of Jacob forever. You know what that means? That that means if you were a believer in Yeshua or Jesus as the Messiah, you better be a part of the house of Jacob if he's going to rule over you because he rules over the house of Jacob forever. Well, before you get too nervous about that, I have good news for you. Whether you realize it or not, when you were a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, you are a part of the house of Jacob and he's going to rule and reign over you. You need to understand that that's the name of your family. That's the problem. Not that you're in the house of Messiah because by accepting him, whether you know the name of your family or not, you're in him when you receive him. But in order to understand the end of days, you need to know the name of your family. So that's what we need to cover next. We are told in Exodus chapter 19 verse 3 that those who are at Mount Sinai is the house of Jacob. Now those at Mount Sinai are the literal house of Jacob. Those who Yeshua or Jesus rules and reigns over is the redeemed or we call in Christianity the saved house of Jacob. And so who is the house of Jacob? When we think of the house of Jacob, we're either going to think of it as Judaism in the context of personifying the literal house of Jacob or the fact that it's Yeshua that rules and reigns over the house of Jacob. Be believers in Yeshua is regarded as Christianity. So who is the house of Jacob? That's what we need to understand next if we're going to understand the end of days because who does the Messiah gather in the end of days? All 12 tribes or the house of Jacob. So we need to know who this is. Is this you if you believe that Yeshua is the Messiah or is it somebody else. So who is the house of Jacob? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, Paul explains that all believers in Yeshua as the Messiah are to see themselves as if they were redeemed from Egypt, as it is written. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant. So before he goes on to say what he's got to say, he begins by saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about what I'm going to say. You know the irony of him saying, don't be ignorant about what I'm going to say, is what he goes on to say we're ignorant of. Don't 
don't be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. What event is this speaking about? The redemption from Egypt, the historical Egyptian redemption. They all did eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. When we think of the redemption of the children of Israel out of Egypt, do we think of Jesus the Messiah doing it? Yet we're told explicitly in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4, the rock that followed them is Christ. He's the one that redeemed his people out of Egypt. And so in speaking about this event, Paul emphasizes and uses the word all five times in saying all our fathers were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all did eat the same spiritual meat. They all did drink the same spiritual drink. But wait a second. All of our fathers passed through the sea? Do you realize that that's not literally true? My father and my grandfather didn't literally come out of Egypt. Paul's grandfather and father didn't literally come out of Egypt. Yet he's telling believers in Yeshua as the Messiah and in writing to those at Corneth that to not be ignorant that they all came out of Egypt. So if it's not literally true, how do we understand it? It is a Torah concept. When Paul was sharing and teaching 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, he was teaching exactly what the Torah says as found in Deuteronomy chapter 29 verses 12 through 15 as it is written, that you should enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you this day, that he may establish you today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto you a God as he has said unto you and as he has sworn unto your fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now pay close attention to verses 14 and 15. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath. The word spoken at Mount Sinai. But the covenant and the oath is being made with him that stands here with this the state before the Lord our God and also with him that is not here with us this day. Notice the covenant at Mount Sinai was made with two groups of people. Those who were there and those who were not there. Which means even though you were not there, the Torah says you were there. If you were a believer in the God of Israel. If you were in covenant relationship with him. So Paul was reminding non-Jewish believers in the Messiah to see themselves as if they were there. You know why? Because they're likely to not relate that they were there. Thinking it was done for some other group of people. In Exodus chapter 13 verse 8, there's a commandment to tell your son that he was redeemed from Egypt. And you will show your son in that day. When is in that day? It is sometime in the future. So in future generations, tell your son and say to him that this is being done, that is the celebration of Passover, which is remembrance of the redemption of the historical Egyptian redemption, that this is being done because of that which the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. But wait a second. Do you realize that the son in that day didn't literally come out of Egypt? But the commandment is to tell your son that he did because he is to identify with the people who did if he is in covenant relationship with the God of Israel, that he's to see that the events that happened to them happened to him at the same time. And so who was it then who came out of Egypt and came to Mount Sinai? What is the term that the Bible used for the people who stood at Mount Sinai? In Exodus chapter 19 verse 3 it says Moses 
Moses went up unto God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob. The people who came out of Egypt who were at Mount Sinai is referred to as the house of Jacob. I can testify, I don't know about you, that in going to church virtually my whole life and from watching movies like the Ten Commandments, I just had an image in my mind that those who came out of Egypt were the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we are told in Exodus chapter 12, verse 37 and 38, that in addition to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who left Egypt, it says in Exodus 12, 38, and a mixed multitude went up with them. Who's the mixed multitude? It's the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because you got to remember, the death of the firstborn was a decree in all the land of Egypt, just not to the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It applied to those who lived in the land of Egypt as well. So therefore, if they put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, they could come out just like the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If they did not, death of their firstborn. So who is the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai? It is the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In addition to the mixed multitude. Together they're called the house of Jacob. But wait a second. How's the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob referred to as the house of Jacob? The answer is they're regarded as strangers, sojourners, they're adopted or they're grafted in. So therefore we have a Torah principle that when the God of Israel affirms the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and redeems his people, he offers redemption to all whosoever's who want to participate. And this mixed multitude were among the whosoever's that wanted to participate. Therefore, when Yeshua died on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel, he is going to offer that redemption to all whosoever's who will receive it. Now, we've been explained about the whosoever's. That's been emphasized, which is a part of the redemption, but we've missed teaching about primarily it's for the purpose of gathering the exiles of Israel, which all the whosoever's get to participate in. And when they participate, they get grafted in. Now, did the God of Israel say to Moses, now the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I want you to gather and I want them to stand on one side of the mountain. In the mixed multitude, the non-physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I want you to have them stand on the other side of the mountain because I have certain commandments for the physical descendants. But if you're not a physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, I'm going to make life a little bit easier for you. I'm only going to give them two commandments. That is, they're supposed to love me and love everyone else. Is that what happened? No. It says in Numbers chapter 15, verses 15 and 16, one ordinance shall be both for you the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourns with you. An ordinance forever, which begs the question, how long is forever? I believe forever is forever. But you know what I was taught in traditional Christianity? Forever here meant until Jesus died on the cross and that's when forever stopped because then we go on to a different plan, plan B. But here it says that one ordinance shall be for you of the congregation and also for the stranger that sojourns with you an ordinance forever in your generations as you are so shall be the stranger before the Lord. One law, one Torah, and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourns with you. So does a Jewish believer in Messiah have a different set of commandments that they are to follow in being obedient to Yeshua's Messiah than a non-Jewish believer? That's taught. And you know what's taught in quote-unquote Gentile Christian churches? That we express our faith in the God of Israel differently than the Jews because we're not Jews. Now let's see how the God of Israel redeemed the house of Jacob. And I'm going to show you that they were saved by grace through faith. Exodus chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that he will let you go. 
and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. You know what favor is? Grace. And it will come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. So what was the faith that it required? It was putting the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost. So even though the God of Israel was willing to redeem all physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, every household that lived in Egypt, he was willing to do it by his grace. You know, they all didn't get redeemed because it required faith. What was the faith? You had to put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3 and verse 7. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So I want you to see that it was the house of Jacob who was saved by grace through faith. Therefore, being saved by grace through faith is a Torah concept. It's how the God of Israel redeemed his people from Egypt. It is not a brand new New Testament concept. So therefore, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, when it says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's only repeating of what the Torah describes, how the God of Israel saves his people. It's affirming what the Torah says. Now, I want you to notice that the house of Jacob, who was saved by grace through faith, that the house of Jacob was saved by faith, then they came to Mount Sinai and were given commandments on how they were to live their lives as a saved or a redeemed people. First, they put the blood of the lamb upon the doorpost. Then they came to Mount Sinai. And so in John chapter 14, verse 15, Yeshua or Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, let's assume for a moment that my name is Moses and I'm coming down from the mountain and I'm telling you, the people, the God of Israel, I have commandments for you from the God of Israel. Is anyone not understand what commandments that Moses is bringing? It's the Torah. It's the law, right? Yet, if one greater than Moses, that is the Messiah, if he comes and he says, keep my commandments, you know what the people say? Commandments, commandments. What commandments? You're supposed to keep commandments? I don't know what you're talking about. Let's study the Bible and see what that means. You know what? I think it means you're supposed to love everybody. I think those are the commandments. Now, when Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments, he was making a reference or allusion to Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, the chapter that tells us about the giving of the Ten Commandments, wherein in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, it says, I show mercy. You know what mercy is? It's grace. I show mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You see, when Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments, not only was he making an allusion to Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, but he's also stating when he's saying those words that he's the lawgiver. He is the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, which, by the way, I'll give you a scripture verse in the New Testament that says he is the lawgiver. James chapter 4 verse 12 says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Is Moses able to save? No. But Yeshua is able to save. He's the one lawgiver. And so it is the Father who willed the law to be given, but the one who was sent to deliver it and who spoke to Moses is Yeshua the Messiah because in the volume the book is written of him. And so he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The house of Jacob was divided into two kingdoms known as the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It's very important for us to realize that it was Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. It was not Judah's name that was changed to Israel because often when we use the word Israel in our minds, we are synonymously referring to Jews, but it was not Judah whose name was changed to Israel. It was Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. Therefore, all those of the house of Jacob are Israelites. 
Israelites. Therefore, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom are Israelites. But the southern kingdom, whose leading tribe is the tribe of Judah, they referred to themselves or they became known as Jews. So therefore, we have the southern kingdom who are Jews. They're known as the house of Judah. The northern kingdom, they're Israelites because they're of the house of Jacob. In the Bible, they're referred to as the house of Israel, Ephraim, the house of Joseph, and Samaria because the capital is in Samaria. All Jews are a part of the house of Jacob. The southern kingdom is 100% of the house of Jacob. So all Jews, those of the southern kingdom, are Israelites because they're of the house of Jacob. However, not all the house of Jacob is Jewish because the northern kingdom is from Jacob, so they're Israelites, but they're not Jews because the northern kingdom is separate from the southern kingdom in their distinction. The northern kingdom was taken captive by the Assyrians. We find this in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29, when Peacock, king of Israel, came in his days, Peacock, king of Israel, came Tiglat-Pileser, king of Assyria, and he took various cities. And I want you to notice among the cities that was taken, Gilead and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and carried them captive to Assyria. So it was the Galilee area that was first taken captive. Well, if Yeshua is going to restore the what was broken, the exile, you got to come back to the place of the break. So his ministry is centered in the Galilee because that's where the northern kingdom was first taken captivity from. So the southern kingdom was taken captive by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar, as we find in 2 Kings 24, verse 10 and verse 15. Now let's focus on the northern kingdom because the northern kingdom is very significant in understanding why Yeshua died on the tree and the ultimate ingathering of the exiles and the reunification of northern kingdom and southern kingdom. So in focusing on the northern kingdom, we're told in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28 and 29, that Jeroboam set up what's called a golden calf system of worship, wherein the king took counsel and he made two calves of gold and said, it's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. So in referring to this as two calves of gold, it's making allusion back to what happened when the God of Israel brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and they set up a golden calf. They're saying that this is a golden calf system of worship. The book of Hosea is devoted and dedicated and prophesized to the northern kingdom. It prophesies of their judgment and of their restoration and redemption. And this is all personified in a marriage that took place between Hosea and Gomer, as we're told in Hosea chapter 1 and verse 3. There are three children from this marriage that are mentioned by name in Hosea chapter 1. The first child is mentioned in Hosea chapter 1 verse 4, which is Jezreel, which means God will sow or God will scatter. The judgment of the northern kingdom is that it would be scattered into the nations of the world. And the second child found in Hosea chapter 1 verse 6 is Lo Ruhama. Lo in Hebrew means not. Ruhama means mercy. So the second child was named No Mercy. The third child in Hosea chapter 1 verse 9 is named Lo Ami. Lo in Hebrew is not. Am is people. Ami is my people. So the name of the third child is not my people. I'd like to submit to you that when the God of Israel proclaims judgment upon his people and he says, I'm not going to show you mercy and you're not my people, those are not good words to hear. However, the God of Israel in giving the condemnation, he ends with a promise of hope and restoration. 
And it's found in Hosea chapter 1, verse 10. Yet, even though no mercy, not my people, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it will come to pass in the place where it was said on them, you are not my people. Where is it said that you are not my people? Right here in their judgment. That it will be said unto you, you are the sons of the living God. Who is the son of the living God? It is a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah. As we can see in John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So the prophecy to the northern kingdom is that they would believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. That's why Yeshua said in John chapter 10, verse 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, and they will hear my voice. After the northern kingdom receives me as the Messiah, then in the fullness of time, there'll be one fold and one shepherd. And that prophecy gets fulfilled at the second coming of Yeshua. Hosea chapter 2, verse 23, it says, I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which were not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. Now, the book of First Peter is written to the northern kingdom in exile. We can tell that by the words that are written in this letter. Let's look at it more closely. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, you also are lively stones or build up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach. Now notice this, which in time past were not a people. How do you say not a people in Hebrew? Loami. Who in time past were not a people? The northern kingdom. In Hosea 1, the prophecy is you're not my people, but now you are the people of God. Meaning you will now believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. You had not obtained mercy. What people had not obtained mercy? The northern kingdom in Hosea 1 and their judgment. But now you have obtained mercy, fulfilling Hosea chapter 2 verse 23. So you can see he's writing to a people and the only way that the words he's saying can be true is if they are of the northern kingdom because those words were written to the northern kingdom. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle, or you might think of it this way, he's a fisherman fishing for the exiles of Israel. To the strangers scattered. Who are scattered in the nation? The exiles of Israel. Why are they strangers? Because they went from being as people at Mount Sinai to no mercy, not my people. They're strangers scattered. Notice we're being told where they're living and he's addressing those exiles in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. You know, Paul wrote a letter to the Galatians. There were those from the northern kingdom who lived in Galatia. And now he says regarding them, you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, how can we further prove that this letter was written to the northern kingdom? Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, it says, the church that is at Babylon. You see the word church that is? It's in italics, which means it's not in the text. What the text says is the at Babylon elected together with you salute you. Who is in Babylon that is elect, that's elected with those in Galatia? And who is called in the Bible elect? He's writing to the northern kingdom because he's saying, hey, by the way, the southern kingdom who is in Babylon elected together with you, they also salute you. We see elect means picked out or chosen in Israel or the house of Jacob is referred to as the elect of the God of Israel. Isaiah 45 verse 4. For Jacob my servant's sake and Israel my elect. This is the Hebrew word bacher which means choice one chosen or elect of God. First Peter 
Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter is writing and saying these words, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Those are the words that were said at Mount Sinai. Well, that's going to conclude part three of the series on the subject, Hebraic Bible Prophecy. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.